Well, what's up, Faith Church? We having a good day so far? Man, so excited to be with you guys. My name is Adam. If I have not had the pleasure of meeting you, I'm the executive pastor here. So excited to be closing out this series with you today. Pastor Steve is actually at our Lawrenceburg campus, so he's preaching live to them today, so you guys are stuck with me for the next hour, but I promise I'll try not to waste your time. But before we get there, would you, Florence Campus, put your hands together. We've got a ton of people watching through that camera. Everybody watching at home, whether you are here in the Shoals area, Middle Tennessee, or somewhere around the world, thank you guys for being with us. Um, it is going to be an awesome day. I'm kind of curious as we get started, how many of you in this room, you've ever said something, right? And I'm talking as soon as the words left your lips, you immediately regretted what you said. Anybody, like the vibrations are still happening and you're like, that did not come out the way I wanted it to or needed it to. A few years back, we were living in a different city. I was at a different church, so this story can, can shed no negative light on Faith Church, um, so that's a good thing. We were living in a different city, and I had purchased a vehicle, and I, was, I had to go to the DMV to register this vehicle. You had to go, and um, so if you've ever been to the DMV, you know the process. You know it's, it's not an enjoyable experience, and so you go in, and there's this little, small, tiny waiting room. There's 85 of us, like, cramped in. There's chairs kind of lining the outer walls, but there's not enough chairs for the amount of people that are trying to get into this room. And so I'm sitting sort of right by the door. I'd been there for at least 80 hours is what it felt like, and I probably had another 30 to go, you know. And as I'm sitting there, this lady who's clearly pregnant walks in the door, and me being the gentleman that I am, I stand up and I'm like, ma'am, I remember when my wife was pregnant. You can't stand the entire time. So just take my seat. I'll stand up, you know. Um, well, it turns out she wasn't pregnant. Yep. Yep. And I wish that was the worst part of the story. Because not only was she not pregnant, she wasn't a she. So bottom line, I left the DMV that day. I did not register my vehicle. I drove illegally for the next six months because <laughs> I could not go back into that place. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But the point of the story is our words matter, right? What we say has very large implications in what happens in our lives. See, today we're closing out this series, week five of a series called Transplants, where over the course of the last several weeks, We've discussed different parts of our human body, different parts of our fallen nature that we need God to step in, and we need God to take our old out and put his new in, right? We've talked about our heart. We've talked about our eyes, our ears. Today, we're going to close out this series talking about a body part that think we've all had issues with from time to time, and that's our tongues. Anybody have an issue with your tongue? You need God to do something, Right? Me too. The tongue is a very interesting part of your anatomy. The tongue, on average, is three inches long, right? If you're a man, it's an average of 3.3 inches. If it's a woman, it's 3.1 inches, which was actually kind of surprising to me because when you consider the amount of words that come out of a mouth, <laughs> you would think that would be flipped, right? But it just so happens women are more, I guess, efficient with their smaller tongues. Um, it's a fact. That's science. I'm not just saying that. Women speak more words than men's with smaller tongues. So it's an interesting tidbit. Um, every one of us in this room, you have taste buds. You've heard of those things, right? They're these little sensory cells that live on your tongue. You can't see them, but every one of us have somewhere between 2,000 and 4,000 taste buds. 
and they're responsible for how you perceive taste. The interesting thing that maybe you didn't know is that your taste buds renew themselves every single week, that you get new taste buds every single week. That's the reason as you get older, your taste changes. You ever eaten something like as an adult that you really liked as a kid and you eat it as an adult and you're like, that's terrible. You know those little circus peanuts? Those things are awful. As a kid, I loved them. They were, now I'm, they're like pasty. Like, what's your taste buds? They change as you get older because they renew themselves every single week. You get new taste buds. Your tongue is actually, we talk about it being a muscle. Your tongue is not one muscle. It's actually made up of eight muscles, right? So think of it, it's almost kind of put together like the trunk of an elephant. It can independently move. That's why some of y'all have that superpower where you can like turn and twist your tongue in different ways because it's, it's made up of all these different muscles. Many of us were raised, maybe you're like me, that you were told that your tongue is your strongest muscle. Anybody, you ever heard that? That's not actually true. Your tongue is not your strongest muscle, but what we want to talk about today and the reason for this message is that while your tongue is not your strongest muscle, it is your most powerful muscle. And scripture, as a matter of fact, has a whole lot to say about our tongues. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of James, chapter 3 is where we're going to get started. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry, the Bible is going to be right here on the screen. You can follow along. James chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. See, that's why you shouldn't want to stand on this stage, because you get a stricter judgment for what you say. Verse 2 says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Think about that statement. Now, we all, raise your hand if you know you're not perfect. Like, you have issues, you make mistakes. Now, many of us would say we're not perfect because we understand that we can't control our thoughts. Like, you know the thoughts that come into your head, and you know if somehow we could take the thoughts out of our brain and put them up on a whiteboard for everybody in this room to see, you would be like me in the DMV, and you would never be able to come back into this building again, Right? Like, oh my God, if you knew the thoughts that came in. I know I'm not perfect because of my thoughts. Some of you sitting out there would say, you know what? I know I'm not perfect because I can't control my emotions. I know how angry I get. I know I've got a temper. I know scripture, what it says, however, is it's not your thoughts. It's not your emotions that make you not perfect. The reason you're not perfect is because you can't control your tongue. That little thing. Everybody stick your tongue out. Hang right there. There wasn't any reason for that. I just wanted to see if I could make you stick your tongue out. See, some of y'all won't raise your hands in church, but just stick your tongue out. That's fine. <laughs> when we talk about being perfect, especially like we're early in the year. I don't know if you know this, but summer's coming, right? So some of you, I see, I see the social media post. I see you on Insta. You're trying to get your beach body ready. You're working out. You're doing this stuff. We do all these things to try to be more perfect so that we can be more presentable, right? And there's a couple of words that we use when we talk about that. We talk about we need more self-control, we need more self-discipline in our lives. And often when we think about those things, we think about self-control and self-discipline almost being interchangeable. They're kind of the same word. I just, I need more self-control, self-discipline. 
In actuality, self-control and self-discipline are very different things. But you need both in your life to be able to grow and mature and to experience the life that God has for you. First, take a look at this. Proverbs chapter 29 in verse 11 is a really good picture of what self-control looks like. Proverbs says that a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. See, the ability to be quiet is the ability to be self-controlled. By definition, self-control is withholding something. So in in order to be self-controlled, that means you're not doing something. If you need self-control in your diet, that means you don't eat the things that you know you shouldn't be eating. When we speak of our tongues, if you need self-control in your words, it means some of us need to learn the ability to be quiet. Keep your mouth shut. Think of all the trouble you would keep yourself out of if you would just keep your trap closed. That's self-control. Self-discipline on the other side is the exact opposite of that. Look at what Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18 says. It says, there is one who's rash. This rash means thoughtless. There is one whose rash or thoughtless words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You see, if self-control is withholding something, it's what you don't do, then self-discipline is what you do. So when we speak of our tongues then, self-control is what we don't say, while self-discipline is what we do say. And the thing you need to know is that every aspect of your life is marked by your tongue. You are known, I promise you this, you are known by everybody around you, by what you say and by what you don't say. You see, your tongue marks your life. Not just in a, in a theoretical sense, actually in a physical sense. Scientists have discovered, you all know what fingerprints are, right? Like you've watched CSI, you've seen the crime documentaries and TV shows that, that we all have fingerprints that are unique to you. And scientists and Criminologists for for years now have been able to dust for fingerprints at crime scenes and different places that you can use your fingerprints to identify if you've been somewhere, if you haven't been somewhere. Maybe you work in some top secret location where sometimes you have to use your fingerprints to, to get access to certain locations because your fingerprints tell us who you are without me having to actually know who you are. In our world today, however, what people are seeing is that criminals are getting really, really good at their jobs and fraud continues to grow, it continues to become an issue. And if you didn't know this, people that are good at it can actually clone your fingerprints. It's easy to get your fingerprints because guess what? We all touch a lot of stuff. Your fingerprints, if we went around this building, right, we could find all of your fingerprints probably somewhere in this building. Scientists and researchers now, what they found is that just like you have fingerprints, you also have a tongue print. And that your tongue print is just as unique to you as your fingerprint is. And so scientists and researchers for years have been studying how to use your tongue print as a biometric authenticator, right? Big word. All it means is they're figuring out ways in the most top secret of environments that in order to do a scan to know that you are who you say you are and it is not clonable because while you touch a whole lot of things, 
most of us don't go around licking a lot of things, right? (laughs) See, your tongue is protected by your mouth, and normally you don't put your tongue on a lot of stuff to make it easy for other people to get access to your tongue print. But even in a physical sense, your tongue marks your life. It's how you're known. Think about the people in your life that you don't like. You can be a Christian and not like some people. That's part of it, right? There's several types of people that just get on my nerves. I don't choose to be around them. I avoid them at all costs, right? Just because I have a pastor title doesn't mean I want to be all your friend, right? And here's why. Think about these people. Think about the negative Nancys of the world. You know these people, right? They can be male or female, but, but every single word that comes out of their mouth, it's always negative. It's always dreary and gloomy. It's always complaining about how bad something is. Dear Lord, they watch the news from morning to night and it's all about how everything's falling apart and I can't believe this. There's nothing good that ever comes out of their mouth. It's always negative. I can't stand being around that. And chances are when I say those words, somebody popped in your head. I know those people. Don't elbow them. Don't look at them across the room, right? Eyes on me. I'm looking right here. How about the talking toms of the world? They're not necessarily negative about everything, but they always have something to say about everything. They're an expert. Doesn't matter what you're talking about. It doesn't matter the topic. Doesn't matter what we're going to discuss. I have an opinion. I have something to say because I know everything and I just, I have to talk. You can't talk about the talking toms or the negative Nancys without talking about the keyboard warriors because in our day and age, it's not just the sounds that come off your tongue. Sometimes it's the words that come from your thumbs, right? And you see it, and guess what? When I say those descriptors, right, you know those people. Some of you know you are those people. Not looking at anybody. Y'all are just a bunch of crowd, right? Think about the gossip girls. Y'all know them? They love to talk, but what's their favorite subject to talk about? Everybody else. I heard from so-and-so, so-and-so, did you hear what she did? You don't even know if it's true. You have no part of this story, but yet you just want to talk, and you want to talk about other people, and it gets on my nerves. I can't stand it. Maybe you've worked, especially in a business environment. I worked in sales in a corporate setting long before I ever got into ministry, and you know the brown nosers of the world, the suck-ups? All they want to talk about is all the work that they do. Meanwhile, all of us are actually sitting back here doing the work while they're running their mouth, hoping that the boss or the supervisor or the manager takes note of the words they're saying. It's always just this. You know, they don't want to let their work actually speak for itself. Just got to talk. I can't stand that. Just do your job. That's what you need to do. Do your job. Can't talk about the brown noser without talking about the narcissist. Anybody know the narcissist? What's their favorite thing to talk about? It's themselves. It's always them. Doesn't matter if if you're having the worst day of your life. Theirs is worse. Oh my gosh, let me tell you what I'm going through. I just just had this going. I know, but in my days, it's been bad too. I can't believe I've been going through that. You could be celebrating something. Oh my God, we just found out this or that. Oh, let me tell you what I did today. Like, that's okay to talk about you sometimes, but sometimes I want to talk about me can't stand that like it's always them and every one of those people you can probably make your own list of the people that get on your nerves that you don't want to be around 
But every single one of those personality types, do you know how they're known? It's by what they say. You know those people, and you know what those people are like, and it doesn't take you very long as soon as you hear them start to speak, right? See, your tongue is powerful. Keep reading. Verse 3 of chapter 3 of James. James uses some really cool illustrations to talk about the power of the tongue. He says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. James didn't pull no punches, right? Think about that. Every single one of us, everywhere you go, you carry around something that can defile every aspect of your life that James says that it is set on fire by hell itself. This past week was spring break here, at least in Lauderdale County. So my wife, Brittany, and I took our three boys, and we went to to Gatlinburg. We just wanted to get away for a little bit. And I've spent my entire life going to Gatlinburg. My parents have had a condo up there for decades now. and It's always kind of been a second home, but I almost got so tired of going that it had been several years since I had went up there. And I don't know how many of you remember back in 2016, but do you remember the wildfires that hit Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge back in 2016? Over 17,000 acres were destroyed. Over 2,500 homes and buildings were, were just lost forever. In fact, 14 people lost their lives to the wildfires, the largest wildfires in the history of the state of Tennessee. There's a photo I want you to look at that's sort of become iconic Um, Because even the animals, you can see, were doing everything they could do just to get away from the inferno, right? So they're making their way to water just to avoid losing their life, their homes, their habitat. These wildfires that completely destroyed thousands and thousands and thousands of acres. Hurt the tourism population of an entire region, cost so many people their jobs, It was amazing this past week, even five years later, you still see the results of the fires that took place all those years ago. You can still see the the char on the trees. You still see the homes that used to be there that I've seen my entire life that they're just gone. You see a city that is still working to recover from all those things that happened. But do you know what actually started that wildfire? You know what caused it? two teenage boys walking through the woods, being teenage boys, not thinking about the implications of their actions and what they're doing, and they were, they were playing with matches, just goofing off, being dumb teenagers, right? Going around, striking matches, throwing them in the air. One of them lit just enough, and it landed, and it started a blaze that went on for days. It led to weeks. See, it all started with a match. But the the interesting thing is that this match 
it can't burn anything, right? But this match isn't hot. You can touch it on anything. It's That picture you saw, all those thousands of acres that were destroyed, the animals that lost their lives, the people that lost their lives, the homes that were gone, memories, right? People's entire life savings, all these things went away. It wasn't just the match. It was just a spark. One spark. Because somebody didn't understand the implications of their actions. And everything around them was gone. This is what James compares our tongue to. It's just a spark. And even when you see that picture and you understand how damaging wildfires can be, see, that's, that's just the damage that the fires of this earth can do. Can you imagine how damaging the fires of hell can be to a person? See, it doesn't just destroy the body. Your tongue has the power to destroy the soul, the spirit. Some of you know that to be true because some of you had words spoken to you or spoken over you decades ago and it still reverberates in the back of your mind. It made you who you are today because somebody said something to you that hurt your feelings, that cut deep. And we try to develop our own defenses against these words, right? We learn them in elementary school. They go way back. Maybe y'all heard them, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. My personal favorite was the one I used was, you know, somebody says something mean or hurtful and you say, well, I'm rubber, you're glue. Y'all know this one? Whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. That's the best we got. That's our defenses against the fires of hell coming off somebody's tongue. It's, well, I'm rubber and you're glue. Unfortunately, that's not true. And the words you speak carry power that you can't understand. You can't wrap your brain around what happens every time you speak. Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Notice that it doesn't say the tongue can bring life or death. See, there's a reason that death comes first. And that's because by default, we are death dealers. By default, it is so much easier for you to speak death everywhere you go than it ever is for you to speak life. And then it says, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. See, your words create your reality. Everything around you that you like, that you don't like, you need to understand your words are what are creating Everything that you see. I don't know who gets credit for it. It's not mine, but maybe you've heard it said that if you want to change your world, change your words. There's something you don't like about the environment that you live in, that you experience on a daily basis. Start paying attention to what comes out of your mouth. Your words completely set and change the atmosphere in which you live. I hate you. You are worthless. I wish you were never born. I never loved you anyway. 
I want a divorce. See, those words just, they carry some weight. And it just feels different when those words are spoken, right? And when you start paying attention to the words that are coming out of your mouth, what we, we all sort of realize at some point is that it, it almost seems like there's no hope. That we cannot control what comes, like there's no hope, I can't, I can't do it. I can't not say those things. I know I need to be quiet, but I just got to say something. And in fact, that's exactly what scripture says is true. Pick up in verse 7 of James 3. James says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. See, it's interesting to me in verse 10 there that James paints a very clear picture of opposition to words of blessing and words of cursing. That those two things are diametrically opposed to one another. By definition, the word blessing, Webster defines it as approval or encouragement. So a a blessing, if I'm going to bless you or I'm going to speak a blessing over you, I'm going to speak encouragement. I'm going to build you up. That's that's blessing. On the flip side of that coin then, if, if blessing is a word that encourages, then cursing is a word that what? Discourages. It's not a word that builds up. It's a word that tears down. I put this in my notes. Write it down if if you're taking them. See, cussing isn't cursing, but complaining is. Criticizing is. We Christians, we get really good at like labeling things. We like labeling some words as cuss words because if we don't say those words, well, I'm I'm not cursing. I'm not cussing, right? We know those four-letter words that we're not supposed to say because we love Jesus. I'm not up here giving you permission to, to add a parental advisory sticker to your life, but here's what I do know. I've been cursed out by Christians way worse using non-cuss words than I've ever been cussed out by a lost person that's just giving it to me, F-bomb after F-bomb. We get it twisted. Don't be saying those bad words, but you'll turn around and criticize and tear down and destroy people with every word that comes out of your mouth. And then you get self-righteous thinking you're doing good because you didn't use that four-letter word. You came up with Christian cuss words so you can still say the same thing and it's still just as damaging because you can't control the words coming out of your mouth. Think about it this way. We all, if you're a parent in the room, we've got some things that we want for our kids. There's some things we want them to experience. Like I've got three boys. 
They're all still in school. Two, one's in elementary, two are in the junior high. And like, I want them to, to learn. I want them to grow. I want them to be educated. And God, in this really cool way, at least in our society, God has put teachers and principals, right, administration in their lives that I partner with that teacher and that principal to make sure my goal of having my child educated is accomplished. So we work together. Think about it this way. Maybe you're guilty of this, because honestly, I know I am. You as a parent have a goal for your child to be educated. Did you know that one word in a moment of anger or frustration or misunderstanding, one word from you can completely destroy your child's teacher's ability to be able to teach your kid anything. Especially this last year, right, with all the, the homeschool working and all the stuff comes home and it's like, why, what are they sending that for? Like, God, a teacher's an idiot. Now you said it, just let it fly because, right, you're just, you're frustrated and you know you didn't really mean it. But guess what your kid can't do? Your kid can't filter context. All your kid heard was, my dad thinks my teacher is an idiot and I agree with him. So why would I listen to anything he says when dad thinks he's dumb? Got kids that play sports in the band and theater. Maybe you've got, maybe your daughter does dance or your kids do martial arts or whatever they do. Did you know as a parent, one wrong word from you, maybe you're trying to protect your kid. It doesn't matter what your motives are. One wrong word from you can completely derail anything a coach is trying to do in your kid's life. You can destroy the entire chemistry of a team just because you opened your mouth. Your son or your daughter is not getting the, the playing time that you think they deserve. You can tell they're upset by it. They wish they were playing more. And so you're trying to help. You're like, listen, bud, don't worry about it. Like that coach doesn't know what he's doing. Only reason he's playing Johnny is because him and Johnny's dad are best friends. That's the only reason he's playing, but you're better than him anyway. Trying to help, but guess what you just did? You just lit a fire that now, you know what your kid does? Goes and tells his or her friends, yeah, I can't, you know, the only reason that kid's playing more than us is because he's coach's kid or he's, coach doesn't know what he's doing. And it destroys everything that you want for your kid. And guess who's to blame? You. Get out your big mirror and take a look in it because so often when we open our mouths and we're trying to build this life, we're trying to accomplish these goals that we want and we wonder why everything around us is a blazing inferno and it's all getting burned down and we never want to take a look to say, man, my mouth is the one striking the matches that's burning down everything I'm trying to build. What are the words that are coming out of your mouth? You know, one of the most sobering scriptures in all the Bible to me is Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. This is actually Jesus speaking. He says, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. ESV translation 
doesn't use the word idle. It uses the word careless. That one day, Christ follower, you will stand before God and you will give an account for every careless word that you spoke. You didn't mean to do any harm. You weren't malicious in your actions. You weren't trying to hurt somebody's feelings. You weren't trying to tear down. You were just careless. You just let that tongue do what your tongue does. Scripture says you'll be held accountable for that. You know, it's true in in the church context. see it all the time, unfortunately. I've been in ministry a long time, attending church, worked at other churches. I've got news for you. I've been hurt by church. Been hurt by pastors, ministry leaders. I've been hurt by some of y'all. Things you've said and done. But we have to be very careful to understand that when you let words of criticism and complaining, gossip and backbiting, when you let those words come out of your mouth, you just want to vent to a friend or a family member. Man, you won't believe what my pastor did. You won't believe what my youth pastor said. Maybe you're the parent venting to your kids. And you want your kids, you want your friends and your family and your coworkers, you want them to experience life in Christ, to be saved, right? That's what we, we all want that. But so often what you don't realize are the words you say when you speak against a pastor or you speak ill of a church is that there are lost people listening. And the words you speak, it wasn't just an opinion. What the enemy did was he turned around and he used the spark that you just started to create an inferno that those people will never darken the doors of this church. Anything that pastor tries to say, they'll never hear it. And what I don't want for you is for one day you to stand before God and him to say, yep, all these people here, I wanted them to hear the gospel, but they didn't come to church not because the church was wrong. They didn't come to church because you didn't know how to keep your mouth shut. You see, we'll be held accountable for every idle, careless word that we speak. See, if there's any body part, if there's any part of our lives that we need God to step in and we need a transplant, We need God to step in and say, God, I need you to take this tongue and make it yours. I need self-control. I need to be self-disciplined. I need to learn the ability just to be quiet. James 1.19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. See, some of you out there, I know, in a crowd this size, people watching online, some of you out here, you're you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian because you know Christians and you hear the words they speak. But you also know that, that you're not experiencing the life you want. You know there's more. And the really cool part 
about our mouths, about our tongues, is that while, yes, we can be death dealers and we can speak death, if you're here, if you're watching from home, online, wherever it is that you are, did you know that it's with that same mouth, that same tongue, that in an instant you can be saved? Paul says in Romans chapter 10 that all you have to do to be saved is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and it says you will be saved. That's where it starts. It all starts with confession, speaking life. If you're here and you want to know how to be saved, it's truly as simple as that. Just say, God, save me. That's the most simple prayer I could give you. God, save me. And because you have power in your tongue, the moment those words leave your lips, your eternity is changed. Now the rest of us, maybe you're already a Christ follower, but you've been following God for a long time and you understand that your mouth has been getting you into a lot of trouble, maybe even more trouble than you realize. And my prayer for you today in the days and weeks and months to come is that we would all do a much better job of taming our tongue. Just be quiet. Let God step in and do what only he can do. And let's start speaking life and not death. Amen? I want to pray for you. Father, thank you, God, for this word. As challenging as it is, God, it's challenged me nonstop since I began studying this, Father. And I pray today, Lord, that you would use these words to sharpen all of us, to make us all better, God, that if we've never made that decision to follow you, God, that you would give people the courage today to open their mouths and just confess you as their Lord. For those of us who, who have believed, who are Christ followers, God, give us the wisdom, the self-control, and the self-discipline to to understand the implications of the words that we speak, God, and that we would begin being better representatives of you, that it, that it would be blessing and not cursing, that it would be life and not death, so that we can all begin to experience and live the life that you've promised us we could have. In Jesus' name, amen.